0: From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Awesome. Uh, how many guys have kids, eighteen years old to newborns here? or have maybe helped out in kids ministry or youth before, awesome. Yeah, I've probably gotten to interact with a lot of them. Uh, It's a dream job for me. I love what I do. My wife and I have uh, a six-month-old baby girl. Uh, Her name is Estella Nova Horner, uh, and she's fire. She's super passionate. Uh, If you're holding something and you're in front of her and you're not careful, she'll grab it from your hands and she'll put it in her mouth and chew on it because she's teething right now, and uh, she's super awesome. Uh, My wife and I, it's our first baby, so we love her to death. We just get to spoil her. And uh, we're learning a lot, yeah? A lot of parents in here. So we get to learn uh, with you guys. Um, But hey, I wanna share with you a story uh, of my first day here at Vintage. It was my very, very first Sunday. And uh, much like a young kid would lay out his clothes before his first day of school, uh, so did I, Saturday night, so Sunday was coming, I laid out my clothes, right? I was excited, I went to bed early, and I was ready to go. I showed up early, I got here on Sunday, and uh, 15, 20 minutes go by, service has started, everything is going awesome, Uh, it's wonderful. And then I walk into the kindergarten through fifth grade room, uh, just to check in on everybody, make sure they have what they need. And uh, they're in prayer groups by this time, just after worship, much like you and I would get into prayer groups and hear. And uh, I noticed that there's a young kid uh, by himself in the corner and nobody wanted to pray with him, right? I just need to press pause really quick. Uh, This is a pastor's dream, right? It's my first day. I'm thinking to myself, Holy Spirit, you have set this up for me. Divine appointment, right? I get to come in and pray with this kid. I'm like the hero here, and I'm excited just for the response for this kid to have to me. I get to meet a friend. I get to be the friend, and I'm super stoked, right? And so I sit down next to him. He's real little, and I get real close to him. I'm, I'm, I'm personal. I'm intimate. I say, hey, man. Yeah, hey, I, I noticed no one's praying with you. I, I, would, I would love, I'd love to pray with you. Is that all right? Could I take, could I take a second here and, and pray with you? And I just, I, I waited for his response. He looked back up at me and very honestly, he said, your breath stinks, right? I looked back at him. I mean, honestly, all of me wanted to say, no, your breath stinks, right? But I can't do that. I'm a pastor. I kept it cool. Don't worry. I'll be honest with you though. I, I really don't know what happened. I think I just left the room. I was terrified, right? Because this kid says my breath stinks. It was horrible, it was the worst first day ever, right? And you better believe that, that I get up an extra hour early every single day, just so I can brush my teeth four times before I get to service, because I can hear this kid's voice in my head saying, your breath stinks, right? Yeah, I always tell people, uh, if you want to publicly speak, if you think you're funny, uh, come tell a joke, back in Vintage Kids, come speak, and then ask the kids how you did afterwards, and they will tell you straight up. Honestly, no filter, they will tell you how it is. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I, lo- I love what I get to do. Um, it's awesome. If you're anything like me though, you've walked through life and maybe you've come across some things that you don't understand. Maybe some things that you disagree with, right? And the reality is all of us are gonna be faced with things in life that we disagree with, that we don't understand, that we, maybe we challenge. And my question today is, is, how do we respond to those things? And, and what's interesting is, is, God is a little bit of an unknown. He's a little bit of a mystery. I don't know if you know that, but Isaiah 46, 15, 45, 15 would say, I am the God who hides himself. Now, I, I grew up in, in a great Christian home, and my parents taught me that a God desires relationship with you. He desires intimacy with you, right? And uh, I went through some marriage counseling, and, and the first thing in relationships, if you want to have a successful relationship, is good communication, right? You got to learn how to communicate to one another to have a healthy, successful relationship. And so I guess my question is, how come, how come God's communication style just doesn't seem to be so straightforward for me, right? I mean, God has all of the answers. He knows everything, right? I mean, he could, he could spell out the answers for me in the stars in the sky at nighttime. It'd be wonderful. He'd be like, hey, Trev, uh, meet me in the mountainside at, at 10 o'clock, sit on this rock and look up. I'll give you the answers, the agenda for tomorrow. I mean, it'd be perfect. It'd be like our little thing, right? he could shoot me a text message. Now he could post something on Instagram with a detailed caption. I mean, it would just be awesome, right? But that's, that's not how God at least for me, he seems to communicate. He's not, he's not as straightforward, right? And Proverbs 25.2 would even say, it's God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them. And if I'm honest with you, there's days where I want to wake up, I want God to mash up my breakfast, I want him to spoon feed me his agenda for the day, right? But that, that's just not, it's not how he communicates to me at least. And I, w- I would say that, in our embrace and our response to what we don't understand, to the mystery, it has to be more about God's character and less about the facts and the details and maybe the present circumstance or situation that's actually happening. It has to be more about his character. And I want to see if we can find some of that today. And so I want to read some key scripture. Uh, We're going to be in Mark chapter 6. We'll start in verse 49. And uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, you're more than welcome to. I'll have it on the screen for you. Uh, But it's Mark chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 49. But I just kind of want to paint the picture of what happens before we pick up in Mark chapter 6 here, okay? In in Mark chapter 6, the disciples are going to be on a boat in the middle of a storm in a lake, and it's just really not awesome. But several hours earlier, something happens, and I kind of want to paint that picture for you. Um, The disciples have been doing ministry and work all day. They're physically exhausted. They've been working. They've been out in the town serving the community. uh, They've been teaching people, right? And the end of the day uh, comes together and Jesus groups up all the disciples, says, hey, guys, great work. I know it's been a tough day. In fact, he says, you guys didn't even have time to eat today. You must be hungry, but you've done a great job. I don't know if you guys have been working during the day before where you've been so busy that you skip lunch just because you've, you've just been so busy working. And this is what the disciples are experiencing this day, right? And so uh, Jesus groups them together and he says, hey, great work today, guys. Let's go find a quiet place. Let's go rest and refuel. And we're kind of we'll, we'll figure out what we're gonna do next, right? And so they go to head to this quiet place, And people begin to recognize Jesus and his crew, his disciples, right? They've heard about him. They've heard that he's been, you know, uh, doing miracles and teaching people. And they kind of want to taste and see for themselves. And so uh, a bunch of people start to gather around Jesus. And it says that Jesus was led to compassion for these people. And he begins to teach them. I'm gonna pause for a second. I don't know if you've ever been with like a coworker or a leader or someone like maybe a boss before, and they've said that they're gonna do one thing and then they do another. And it's really interesting. In those moments, I think we begin to question their character like we never would before. It's really weird, right? They say they're going to do one thing, and then they do the other, and like, well, do they, I mean, do they they even know what they're talking about? Like, do they even study this, right? Like, you begin to say all these things that you would never think about them before, and I think this is what the disciples are experiencing in this moment. Jesus said, hey, guys, great job. You're going to get some rest here. We're going to refuel in a minute, right? And then he begins to teach these people. He begins to do something completely different, and their hearts, what we're going to read about here, they're not understanding why Jesus is doing this. He's even doing a really, really good thing, but they don't quite understand. It's really interesting. So Jesus, uh, he continues teaching these people, uh, and a couple hours go by, and I imagine it was Peter or or one of these guys comes up to Jesus, taps on his shoulder, and says, hey man, uh, it's getting late. We're in a remote area. Uh, These people usually go to the marketplace now. They buy some food, and they eat it, and they go to sleep. It's a good time for us to do that as well. We We should probably go. And Jesus looks at them and says, well, why why don't you feed them? Why don't we feed them? And they look at Jesus, and they're like, well, first of all, they logically think we have no money. Uh, We have no food. Uh, It's not possible. There's 5,000 people here, right? And so uh, Jesus says, in response to the disciples, he says, well, just bring me what you have, and we'll figure it out. So if you know the story, the disciples bring Jesus five loaves of bread and two fish. And he picks up the basket. He holds it to heaven. He blesses it. And then he breaks the bread, he passes it to the disciples, and they begin to pass out bread as it multiplies and fish, and they feed 5,000 people. Now usually that's the thing that we highlight. That's the thing that we think about. It's a wonderful miracle, but let's just think about this for a second. I want to paint another picture. The disciples are physically exhausted. They've been working all day. They haven't had time to eat. Their leader, their friend, Jesus, said, hey, we're gonna take some time to rest here and refuel, but then he goes and does something completely different. I imagine they had probably a filthy attitude in this moment, even though the miracle was super, super awesome. I don't know if you've ever passed out food to a large group of people, but it takes a lot of time, right? Uh, 500 people, just passing out food to 500 people. It takes a a decent amount of time. The disciples were passing out food to 5,000 people. I imagine it took a couple of hours. It was just a long time of just passing out food. Yes, is it awesome? Yes, it's really great. But Jesus, you said you were going to do one thing, and now you're doing the other. They're tired. They're, they're hungry. I mean, they, they need some rest, and now they're having to pass out food. It's really interesting. And so time goes by. Everyone gets fed, and Jesus looks back at his disciples and says, hey, guys, I know it, it is getting late now. Let me dismiss the crowd. You guys get in the boat. Go across the lake. I'm going to go spend some time with my father on the hillside, then I'll meet you tomorrow, and we'll regroup. So the disciples get in their boat, they go across the lake, and it's about 3 in the morning now. And a massive storm just swoops in on the disciples. I mean, it couldn't have gotten any worse. They're physically tired. Sure, they saw this cool miracle. It's awesome. They've seen them do things before right? But this big storm swoops in. I just want to paint this picture as well. They are not in a yacht. They are not in a cruise ship. They're not in this big boat. They are in this tiny little boat in the middle of a lake, and a massive storm blows in. So waves are crashing over the boat. They're freezing. Thunder is ringing in their ears. I mean, they're thinking their last thoughts. They are about to die right now, and Jesus isn't there. And this is where we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 6, verse 49 and this is what it reads it says but when they saw him walking on the sea they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were terrified but immediately he spoke to them and said take heart it is I do not be afraid and he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they had they did not understand about the loaves and their hearts were hardened I'm just going to pray really quick, and then we'll kind of begin to dissect this verse. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would give us maybe a different lens, that we could see this a little differently, Father. Would you just begin to speak to people um, and and pull things apart for them, God, and just show us maybe a different angle, Holy Spirit, of, of how we could see the Scripture. Today's for your glory and your Son's resurrection. Amen. Okay, it says, verse 49 says, But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, For they all saw him and were terrified. This word terrified in the Greek, it actually means to set in motion what needs to remain still. So the disciples, they see Jesus, they're in the middle of the storm, and they begin to set in motion all of these different attitudes that are called to remain still. They're anxious, they're fearful, they're worried, they're stressed out, they don't know what's going on, and that's where we get that word terrified. They begin to set in motion what's called to remain still still. So friends of Jesus, okay, people that have been doing life with Jesus for a really, really long time, they know him, they know his voice, they know his face, they know what he wears, they know what he looks like, they've laughed with him, okay, they're in the middle of a storm when they need him the most. And when they see him, they are terrified when they see him, and more than being terrified, they didn't even recognize Jesus when they needed him the most because they had set into motion what was called to remain still. I said in the beginning, in our, in our view of, of what we don't understand in this mystery of this thing that maybe seems super, super crazy, it, it can't just be about the facts and the details and, and even the situation that's going on. It has to be about God's character. And what's interesting is when we look at God's character in Psalms, right? Psalms 46.10 would say, Be still my heart and know that I am God. Be still my heart and know that I am God. So when you are terrified... You are setting into motion what is called to remain still. And because the disciples did this, their hearts became hardened, and they didn't even recognize Jesus when they saw him. Yet God's character is saying, be still my heart and know. Not to set in motion because you don't understand, but to be still my heart and know. We'll come come back to that in a second. Let's continue through the verse. It says, but immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaf and their hearts were hardened. Uh, In verse 52 here, the the writer seems to go back uh, to to this miracle that happened several hours earlier that I kind of painted a picture of. And uh, another translation uh, would read like this in verse 52. For they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And this Greek word for insight here means to put facts together, to arrive at an understanding complete with life application. So the disciples had just witnessed the miracle of Jesus. They had the facts and they had the details, right? But they had not gained any insight. They had not yet applied the miracle and the teaching and the situation that Jesus was trying to teach them. And because of that, their hearts were positioned and they became hardened from it and didn't even recognize Jesus. I would love to submit the thought that it is not enough for us to just witness and gather the facts and information and details of the teachings of Jesus. It's not enough. James would tell us that the demons believe and they still tremble in fear of God. It's not enough for us to just witness. We have to actually apply and allow things inside of us to physically manifest or our hearts are actually positioned for hardness. It's really interesting how even a good thing, The miracle that Jesus was doing was a really good thing, friends. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a great miracle. But the disciples had not yet put the facts together. They had not yet applied all of the information. They had not yet applied what they had been learning. And because of that, their hearts became hardened, and they didn't recognize Jesus. It says, for they did not understand about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. And this word hardened, as it's used here, means unresponsive, completely lacking sensitivity or spiritual perception. I don't think that God is is intimidated by our lack of understanding at all. I don't think not understanding is a bad thing. I don't even think disagreeing is a bad thing. I think that it is our response to things that we don't understand, maybe our response to things that we disagree with, even if we're right, It's how we respond to them that means everything. It either makes it a very beautiful picture really quick or it gets really messy. And this is what the disciples are experiencing here. So my question is, how are we responding today? How do you respond to things that that you don't understand? Or maybe things that you disagree with. And I'm I'm not just talking about church. I've been in a room before where the Holy Spirit was moving, he was working, he was teaching, and he was healing, but I completely missed out on what he was doing because my heart was positioned in a certain way and I didn't understand the situation. I maybe disagreed with what was going on or or who was leading in the room, and I completely missed out on what Jesus was doing. It's a very, very sobering thought as a person who desires intimacy and friendship and relationship with God that I could potentially miss out on what he is doing just because of how my heart is positioned. How do we respond in in, in marriage when things happen that, that maybe we don't understand or maybe that we disagree with? How do we respond in the marketplace, in business, right? When maybe a boss makes a decision that you don't quite understand or maybe you disagree with or, or how do we respond when, when things happen that aren't supposed to happen because God's the provider but it didn't quite happen the way we planned out, right? And so how do we respond to those things that are maybe a mystery, maybe we don't understand? I think there's a couple, way, a couple ways that we respond as humans. I think we, we begin to set into motion things that are called to remain still. Attitude things begin to come out, right? We get fearful, and worried, and anxious, and I don't know, and and, and we begin to just kind of set in motion all these things that are called to remain still. And I'd love to submit, when you feel that, when that starts to rise up inside of you, I think we're called to just take a step back, to pause, and to be still, my heart, and know that He is God, that He is good, that He does understand, that he's been through what you're going through, and just to take a step back and not to put in motion what's actually called to remain still. That's one way we can respond. And number two, I think we can just not respond at all. Sometimes that's easier. I don't know if you've ever been presented with a situation that you don't understand or that you disagree with or maybe something that's really, really, really tough. And you just kind of go you know what not today I, I can't do it it's too much i don't want to think about it i've been there but i think this word they had not gained any insight they didn't understand they had not applied they had not there's one, there's a time to set things in motion there's a time to allow things to physically manifest out of us right and if we don't do that if we just kind of push back and say you know what i'm, I'm not going to respond to it today i think our hearts are actually positioned for hardness and when our hearts become hard Sometimes we miss out on what God's doing. Sometimes we tend to want to push away from his presence. And I I love, I love what Jesus says here. He hops into the boat and he says, don't be afraid. And this term, don't be afraid, it actually means do not resist me. That's what he says to him when he gets in the boat. He sees his friends on the hillside. They're struggling in the middle of this storm. He knows that they don't understand, right? He walks out onto the water. He knows that they're not going to recognize him. And the first thing he says when he hops into the boat, it's not, hey, get your act together, guys. We've got a lot of work to do tomorrow, right? It's not like, hey, guys, you should figure this out. I thought you were smarter than this. No, he gets into the boat, and he says, friends, don't resist me. I think in those moments, we resist Him because we set things into motion that are, are, are called to remain still. I, I think when, when we're faced with situations, with challenges, with things that we don't understand, with mysteries, I think we're supposed to maybe take a step back to pause and to just be still in my heart and know that He's God and that He's good. I would love to just break up for a second. Um, We're going to do bread and cup. If you don't know what bread and cup is, that's just our term for uh, for communion. If you don't know what communion is, that's totally fine. There's some people back here that would love to pray with you, kind of walk you through that. But I would love to just sit and ask the Holy Spirit just to search our hearts. Are there things that you've been presented with today that you don't understand? Maybe you're right. Maybe there's a situation that you disagree with and you're totally right. I guess my my question is, and and the question I want you to ask the Holy Spirit is, how do I respond to that? Because the disciples were in this situation and they responded all sorts of ways. And the way that they responded allowed their hearts to become hardened and and they didn't even recognize their friend when they needed him the most. So I wanna sit for a second. I just wanna ask the Holy Spirit that question. Maybe you're not there. Maybe life's really good for you right now. Praise God, I think that's awesome. But are there things in the past, maybe, that you were presented with, right, that were unsure, that you disagreed with, and did you respond in a way that maybe wasn't so awesome? And is your heart a little bit hard from a situation that happened a long time ago? Because it's crazy how situations that happened a long time ago can still affect right now, today. So I'd love to sit for a second uh, just by ourselves or in groups, whatever you prefer, and just ask the Holy Spirit to, to search your heart and to see if there's some things that you can respond to. You guys are dismissed for bread and cup, and we'll come back up and pray. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.